The AUKUS alliance and Australia's acquisition of nuclear submarines hasn't exactly been welcomed by our nearest neighbours, with Indonesia in particular raising concerns about the plan. Ahead of the announcement, uh, Professor Rory Medcalf from the ANU's National Security College has been visiting some of our regional allies to brief them on the plan and to hear their concerns. He's our guest this morning. Rory Medcalf, welcome. Good morning. You've visited Fiji, Indonesia, Japan, India to talk through the plan. How would you sum up reaction to the AUKUS arrangement? Look, I, just to clarify that, uh, I, I was visiting those countries to essentially consult them on, on their regional security perspectives, aware, of course, that AUKUS is coming down the track. So n- not a formal briefing role uh, in that sense. But look, um, my sense in those parts of the region, and also particularly in India, where I was at the Ricina Dialogue, where dozens of countries have delegations, so it's a, a, a very important clearinghouse to understand regional security, my takeaway from all of that is that sense that, that, that we cannot and should not say that there is a regional view on AUKUS, not a regional view against it or a regional view for it. Instead, there's very clearly a, a mosaic patchwork. And for every country that's a bit uncomfortable, there are countries that are overwhelmingly positive, such as Japan and, and India. So I think uh, the, the spade work that the government's been doing really for weeks to prepare for this uh, is paying off. Indonesia has been concerned this would increase the chance of conflict. Do, you, do they have a point, given the kind of language we've heard from Beijing around AUKUS? Does it have the potential to kind of escalate the situation? Look, Indonesia is uh, really key to thinking about regional responses because it's such an important neighbour for Australia and, and one of the growing powers in, in, in the region. But I think the concerns there are, are very mixed. So, for example, in my discussions with the defence establishment in Indonesia, uh, actually there's a sense of understanding, a sense that nations need to improve their own capabilities and a contested strategic environment and frankly the Indonesians would probably like to improve their own military capabilities more. From the foreign policy community, yes, a more mixed picture, Um, but that's partly also because uh, they're concerned not only about Australia or uh, other US allies increasing their own military capabilities, of course they're also worried about China and and indeed conflicts what they're seeking to avoid, not nations looking after themselves. The point that China um, has been making, and I think Chinese uh, propaganda, a really active information campaign across the region has been making, is uh, really this this false sense that somehow Australia is um, driving an arms race, whereas the very opposite is true. If you look at the the submarine fleets, the nuclear-armed and nuclear-powered submarine fleets that are already operating in Asian waters, uh, increasingly they're, they're Chinese. So I think the message is beginning to get through that Australia's playing catch-up here rather than driving a risk of conflict. But finally, uh, Patricia, if government is serious about the, the equilibrium message that the foreign minister's been sending, then yes, this military balancing thing we've just done so um, so substantially needs to be matched with um, sustained diplomatic outreach and particularly investment in trying to build confidence and stability and, and communication and prevent 
confrontation leading to conflict. The delegation that Australia led to, led to India has been hailed as a great success. How much do you believe that that shared concern over Chinese aggression has helped to strengthen ties with India? Look, I think the you know the real um, twenty year breakthrough that we've, it's been a long story coming. This this long change in Australia-India relations. It's not just driven by the China factor. If you look at the Indian diaspora in Australia or the growth of the Indian economy, uh, you know, there's so much else uh, at stake there. But, but yes, uh, India fundamentally mistrusts China. They are in confrontation on their border. And China has effectively lost Indian public opinion for a generation through that kind of coercion. So, yes, there's a shared strategic concern. Uh, and India is part of the solution to balancing uh, China in the, in the Indo-Pacific. So, obviously, India is one one element. Then there is uh, the Pacific region. How is the plan being viewed in the Pacific, especially in Fiji, which has had close ties with China in the past? Well, I note that the PM is, um, uh, is going uh, to Suva on his way back to Australia. I think that's a very good move because it's not only Fiji, it's the Pacific Islands Forum, of course, uh, you know, really the entire Pacific family. Uh, the, the narrative in Fiji has changed. Um, I think last year was a real watershed year because many Pacific Island countries began to become concerned themselves about the level of Chinese influence in the Pacific and collectively rejected a Chinese security pact. And of course, the new um, Fijian leadership, uh, uh, you know, Rambukan knows that China is a challenge to, if you like, the uh, the democratic character of values in the Pacific. So I think that I don't think the PM is going to be pushing on an open door there, but he'll have a more receptive audience than he would have had. And I think it's really important now to reinforce that this is Australia taking defensive measures. It doesn't in any way undermine our commitment to, for example, uh, the Treaty of Rarotonga uh, you know, for, for a nuclear-free Pacific. And we need to be matching this with continued uh, enhancement of our development assistance, our community-based outreach to the Pacific. It's not just a military story. Just on the substantive announcement itself, $368 billion is the, is the price tag that's been attached. It's huge uh, and it's, it's really a phased-in approach. We get the Virginia-class submarines and then eventually these UK-built uh, but with American technology subs. Um, uh, do you think this is a workable plan that will deliver us something that deals with the capability gap, but then in the long term, uh, a more sustainable option? Well, it, it is uh, an extraordinary enterprise in, in scale and commitment. And, and you know, I guess they had better be serious. If, if, if the three governments are as serious as they're seeking to signal at the moment, then I think this is absolutely worth pursuing. But this is going to require, if you like, a constant renewal of vows <laughs> for the next few decades, mm. including by Australian governments. Uh, and don't forget the United Kingdom as well. You know, Labor in the UK has got to be on side, and I think it is. Uh, but all of that, the phased approach does make sense. It gets beyond the concerns about a military capability gap. And uh, I think it's really important that, as the PM is emphasising, I think, uh, in his remarks right now, uh, that this is a message about nation building, about a building Australian science and tech capability. It's not simply about uh, weaponry. It's not simply about manufacturing. It's really about making Australia a smarter country as well as a stronger country. 
Professor Rory Medcalf, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Patricia. Professor Rory Medcalf from the ANU's National Security College, and you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.